Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. So I want you to take just a minute this morning. I love, in Jordan's prayer, he said, um, Jesus, thank you for your son who chose to die for us. And my, my title for today is his hope or his love is your choice. Um, and so just so I love how, how things come together when we, when we lay things before the Lord. And so this morning I want you to talk, to, we're going to turn the lights up. I want you to turn to your neighbors, find somebody near you and have a conversation about the choices that you make in life. What are big, small choices that you make in life? Ready, go. To the one whose dreams have fallen all apart And all you're left with is a tired and broken heart I can tell by your eyes you think you're on your own But you're not you heard of the one who can calm the raging sea? Give sight to the blind, pull the lame up to their feet. With a love so strong, and never let you go. No, you're not alone. You will be safe in his arms. have, there are lots of choices we make, right? I think our choices start um, the first time a parent chooses to let their child eat with a spoon, like, right? It starts from when they're real little. And then it's the choice of what they will eat or not, right? Or the choice of what they will spit back in your face after they don't like what they tried. Um, Little choices. And then there's the choice of a child of what to wear that day. How many of you have ever had those moments where you're like, let them wear it, let them wear it, let them wear it? Yeah, right? <laughs> and then there's the choice of um, who to be friends with at school. And there's choices of who to trust. There's choices of which parents are your favorite that day. There's choices of what's your favorite game to play. What's your favorite thing to do on the playground? And then there come choices of, hmm, should I date that person or not? There's choices of, where should I go to college? Right, our our choices get a little bit tougher. Where should I live? What should I do for a living? 
There's choices of who should I marry? Should I marry that person or not? And they keep progressing. Choices of how many children are we going to have? Um, choices of where do I live? Who do I live next to? What kind of neighborhood do I want to be in? What kind of setting do I want to be in? All kinds of different choices. And sometimes in the waiting for those choices and, and the waiting to make those things happen, sometimes we get a little bit anxious, right? How many of you, I have had this conversation in my household several times over the last few years over the decision of what college to go to and what path to pursue in that, in that degree. And there's that anxiousness over, am I making the right decision? Is this right? Have I chosen the right path? And there's that longing for things just to be done and settled so that we can take care of it. Anybody ever had anything you're like, you longed for it, and you're like, oh, can we just get this taken care of already? Longing to have a baby, right, April? Like that waiting, like, can this just be done today? And then look. This Advent, um, we want to give you an invitation, and that is an invitation to hope. Not just to receive hope, but to be hope bearers to those that are around you. Um, Jesus arrived in the form of a baby after 400 years of silence, confusion, and longing. Um, none of us have experienced 400 years of silence, last I checked. Um, but I'm pretty sure all of us have experienced confusion, and longing in our lives. We've experienced moments of chaos, moments of wandering and not knowing where we're going. The difference between um, us today and the Israelites is that they didn't know where that hope was going to come from. They knew that they were promised that someone would come in the form of a Messiah, but they didn't know who or when or how. But today, we kind of know... Um, the rest of the story, right? We know what comes after their longing and their hope and their wandering. We know that the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, we know that even in our longing and confusion, confusion, we get to have hope and our hope is assured because of what we know. They were hoping in what they didn't know. That, that passage about the things that are unseen, their hope was in things unseen. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes it is hard to hope in things that are unseen. But I've learned through my life that hoping in things that are unseen and putting my trust there does not leave me empty. Jesus' birth was a gift of hope to humankind. His birth was the gift of love from God himself. And Advent is a time to celebrate the love that Jesus offers us. He comes close to us in our suffering and in our sin. Um, Isaiah 63 verses 7 through 9 talks of Jesus' love for us. I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. He said, they are my very own people. Surely they will not betray me again. And he became their savior. In all their suffering, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and his mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and he carried them 
through all of the years. In the beginning of this passage, we have Isaiah singing the praises of God as he looks back over the things that God has done. Man, I I think it would be good for each one of us to take a moment at some point today and sit down and look back over all that God has done for us. One of the things that I have learned in life is that in the moments where I'm struggling and needing God to do something in my life, to gain perspective is to look what he's already done. Sometimes it's hard to see ahead, but that's when it's okay to look back and go, but he brought me through this. And if he brought me through this, he's going to bring me through this too. Because he doesn't let us down, friends. He is a God of hope. God says, surely they will not betray me again. That's like a parent saying, surely you won't do that again, right? I know you're not going to do that again. And parents, what do they do when we say, I know you're not going to do that again? Oh, man, they do it again. Honey, don't stick your finger in the light socket until they learn the hard way. Sometimes they do it again. Like every, We've had those moments in parenting like, you're going to only learn by, the, by experience. I'm not saying encouraging my kids to go stick their finger in a light socket, but I'm just saying there are moments in parenting where I've had to let them do something, make the choice to do something, because the only way that they were going to learn was by doing it and realizing well, that doesn't work or feel very good. God's saying, surely they won't betray me again, but what do they do? These good old Israelites that we sometimes become critics of and then we realize, or maybe a little similar, they murmured, they resisted God, they despised and persecuted his prophets, and they even went on to reject and crucify their promised Messiah. Again, it is easy for us to sit here today and go, wow, they were clueless. And yet, I'm pretty sure there are moments where God goes, "Mm, Christy's clueless. Because we do what they did. We do the very same things. We murmur. We resist. Oh, I know God's not going to ask me to do that. I know God wouldn't want me to do this. I know God wouldn't want me to have to sacrifice for that. We despise those who bring his word sometimes. We reject the very one who died for us. Oh, we may not say, hey, God, I reject you. But our actions or our lack of are our rejection of him. Our lives reject him. In the, Israel's, in the Israelites' disobedience, they forfeited God's protection. My question for you today is, is there a disobedience in your own life where you're forfeiting God's protection in some area? Some of our suffering is a result of our own poor choices. And yet, he still loves us. Thank God goodness, he loves clueless people. Thank goodness, he loves ignorant people who fall back into the same decisions and bad, poor choices over and over again. He still loves you. Hear me say that today. God loves you. No matter what you've done, what you're doing, or what you're going to do, he loves you. I love the line, he lifted them up and carried them through all the years. 
God may not remove your crisis, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to step right up next to you and walk through that crisis with you. And God may not fix your trouble right away, but he's going to stand right next to you and go, I got this with you. I'm in this with you. Sometimes God gives us a way out, but we have a choice to walk in that way or not. It may not be easy. It might take work. It might make big, mean big changes, but God's going to walk through us, through it with us, and we just have to trust him. So yeah, God loves us, and he's going to forgive us of all the choices that we've made, but the choice is ours to allow him to love us and to guide us on the path that he wants us. So it's your choice. 1 John 1, 4 through 9. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, we should be cheering over that one, people. The choice is ours, though. We know the rest of the story. We know that, um, that what comes, my challenge, my, I want to challenge you again to this. While you anticipate the holidays and, and Christmas season and all the things that come with it and craziness of buying presents for this person and that person and planning this party and this family gathering and all of the, you know, sometimes we can get through December and go, <sighs> but I want to challenge you to do it before the end of December. Stop. Pause and say, in the midst of your craziness to make Christmas great for someone else, stop and think about what it means to wait yourself. What did it mean for the Israelites to wait and wonder, what was the Messiah going to be like? Who would he be? What would he do? Was he going to come in force or was he going to come in love? Who was he? We know. And so we can sit down and just think, God, I wait for what it is that you want from me. Take a moment and pause. If you feel yourself in the midst of crazy, I give you permission this month to take timeouts and stop and just say, I'm waiting on what it is, God, what you want from me. If your house is crazy, go sit in your car by yourself for a minute. It's one of my favorite timeout spots. Seriously, I love to sit in my car for a minute. Just turn the car off. Total silence. Just have a moment with God. Take a moment. Think about what, God, what the waiting was. They didn't know who was coming. They didn't know when. But yet they waited and they hoped. You know who comes. You know the price he paid. Your hope should be different than theirs was. Is it different, or are you confused just like the people of God who wandered and wandered, stuck in their patterns of sin, waiting on God to do something? Well, if only God would fix this. Well, if only God would do this. Sometimes God's like, I need you to take some action. I need you to make some choices because I want to do something in you. 
but you're not willing. The choice is yours. We shouldn't be um, just waiting on for him to do something. God already paid the price for our sin. The thing is that God loves you so much that he gives you that choice to follow him. He gives you that choice to build a relationship with him. He's not going to force himself on you. And he waits for the moment where you just say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. <laughs> it might be more, instead of just total surrender, it might be you kicking and screaming and saying, I'm yours. I don't want to be, but I'm yours. Sometimes that's okay too. Kick and scream. Drag your way through. Fight him over it. He'll, he'll meet you there. He'll stand with you through that. The choice is yours. A moment of salvation, that moment where you just say, God, I need you in my life. I'm a sinner, I'm broken, and I need you. It's, it doesn't end there. It's a continual walk until your very last breath. But guess what? The choice is yours. He wants better for you than you probably want for yourself. And there may be work to get there, but oh my word, the promise is that he gives you if you will choose to follow him. But the choice is yours. 26 years ago, I said yes to marrying someone. It was Jeremy. Um, I said yes to marrying him. But in my yes, it didn't end there. Oh my word, it's been 26 years of working through things, of still getting to know things about each other of choosing each day to, to nurture that relationship, of pouring myself into him, of, of laying my life down for him and him for me. It's been constant relationship building. That is what a relationship with Christ needs to look like, constant relationship building. A choice to daily encounter the person. We can't have a relationship with someone we don't talk to. We can't have a relationship with someone we don't know anything about. But the choice is yours. God made a choice when he sent his son, Jesus. You know what his choice was? You. You. My favorite verse of all times. Probably one of the very first Bible verses I, I read. Jeremy read it earlier. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him won't perish, but you'll have eternal life. That has been a verse of hope to me since I was a little girl. Watch this video. Lives are shaped by those that love us, and our lives are shaped by those that refuse to love us. The sweetest music that reaches to the highest heaven is the beating of two hearts that truly love each other. To love abundantly is to live abundantly. And to love forever is to live forever. Love is the doorway through which the human soul passes from selfishness to service. Love does that. The three most profound words in human speech is God, is love. The Bible says it's beyond human comprehension. Love is more than the characteristic of, of God. God is love. He does not try to love you. He cannot help but love you because that's what he is. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is love. It is a concert that surpasses the knowledge of men. No man can adequately describe it. No man can adequately understand it because the Bible says it surpasses knowledge. There are three kinds of love. Which kind do you have? There's the if kind of love. If you do this, I'll love you. If you succeed, I'll love you. If you come up to my expectations, I'll love you. The because kind of love. I love you because you're intelligent. I love you because you have money. I love you because you're beautiful and you're handsome. And then there's the in spite of kind of love, God's love. I love you in spite of your failures. I love you in spite of your miserable past. I love you in spite of your weaknesses and your faults. God's love, I loved you, faults, failures, and all. When God saw you through the eyes of love, he was looking at your potential. He was not looking at your past. Those of you who are going through indescribable circumstances. When you see God and God sees you, Lift up your heads and rejoice. The best is yet to be. Every battle you go through, every heartache you endure, every tear you shed makes the love of God richer and purer in your life. People will stop loving you. Husbands will abandon their wives and wives will abandon their husbands without cause. Parents will abandon their children. Man's love will fail you, but the love of God will never fail you. God the Father loves you with an everlasting love. He will never give up on you. He will always be there when you call. He'll put his arms around you. He'll heal you. In the darkest night, he will whisper, I am with you. Be bold, be strong. I will never leave you nor forsake you to the ends of the earth. But the mark of Christianity is being to love the unlovable. That's the love of God. And you can't do that unless the love of God is in you. Love is not what you say. Love is what you do. You're not living until you discover the love of God. And when you find it, let it baptize you. Explode in your life and it will bring to you a personal growth and development and spiritual prosperity you didn't know a human being could have. There's no, there's no stipulation on God's love for you. And some of us need hope in our own life, but there are others in our lives that need some hope this season. But that line, he says, you cannot love the unlovable without the love of Christ inside of you. And you cannot have the love of Christ inside of you if you are not actively pursuing a relationship with him. He loves you. He wants so much for you. But the choice is yours. Bow your heads with me.
this morning, if you say, I am someone who needs hope in my life, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See it. If you're someone who says, I know that God loves me, but I need to pour more into my relationship with him, raise your hand this morning. Thank you. Maybe you're in here this morning and you say, I, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever known that God loves me. You can raise your hand. All right. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning and, and we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you came in the form of a baby after 400 years of silence to provide hope and life. God, we cannot fathom what it was like to give your only son and know that he would be born simply to die. And as we sit here in our seats this morning, we feel the weight of what that means because he came to die for us. He came to die because he loves us that much. He made that choice for us. And so God, you tell us the choice is ours whether we love you or not. The choice is ours whether we pursue you or not. The choice is ours whether we, pr we pour you into um, all that we do, into our, our parenting skills, into our friendships with others, into our marriage relationships, into our jobs. God, you should, if we are following you, then you should ooze out of us into all of those areas. It's not a category. We don't put you on on Sunday and take you off on Monday and live the rest of our life. You are a part of what we do all the time. God, today we take hope in the fact that you loved us so much that you gave your son. We take hope in knowing that you love us in spite of our failures. We're a bunch of misfit screw-ups, and you still love us. And today we praise you for that. Lord Jesus, I pray for the hands that were raised in here this morning that need you to pour your hope into their life and just infuse that, that love and that, that your presence would be so close to them. God, may they feel you. May they, may they lay the things before you that, that are on their hearts and their minds, God. May they surrender the things that they so tightly hold on to. I pray for the stubborn ones in here or online who don't even want to admit a struggle. They know it deep down inside of them, but they don't want to admit it. I just pray that you would tap away at that hard exterior so that your light could shine hope into those dark recesses of our hearts and our minds. We love you, Lord. We love you so much, and we thank you that you love us. We thank you. You don't have to. In spite of who we are, you love us anyway. You are a good God. And we praise you today. Amen. Stand with me this morning.
our season of Advent, our theme is hope bearers. And our hope for you is this, that you will bear the hope that you hear, that you will bear the hope that you know, that you will take it outside of these walls and bear hope upon those that are around you, that you would bear hope on the cranky waitress who maybe doesn't give you great service, that you would bear hope on the really tired cashier who's dealt with people biting her head off when she had nothing to do with what was going on, that you would bear hope to the mailman who's late with a package, that you would bear hope to your coworker who's just annoying you like nothing else, that you would bear hope to your child or to your parents who are bugging you, that you would be hope bearers this Christmas season. Until we meet again, be blessed as you're a blessing to others. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.